Well, I want to welcome you to Emmanuel here to the Greenwood campus, and my name is Steve, and I'll be speaking today. We just ended a series last week, and next week is baptism, so this is what we call an espresso shot, and the reason we call it that is we hope that today does what espresso does. We hope that it jolts you. We hope that it challenges you, and when you leave here today, even though maybe you didn't uh, know what to expect today, we hope that you are challenged to consider taking your next step in your spiritual journey. And to kind of kick things off, let you know where we're going, I want you to look at the picture on the side screens right now. And as you look at this picture, it's a beautiful photo that was captured of the Northern Lights. And as you look at this, I want you to consider for a second the photographer that took this picture. And think what patience it must have taken to get this exact shot because that's not just something you run out there and you grab real quick and it turns out that well. There was a lot of work that was taken. In fact, maybe 20, 30, or 100 shots were taken to get this exact one to turn out. Think of the training that the photographer must have had. Think of the equipment that they used, maybe a special lens, the time of day that they were there to get it just right. Now imagine if this photographer, after coming back from this trip where they captured this photo, just imagine that they came home from the trip they pulled in the driveway, they unloaded all their stuff, including their photography gear, and they just kind of threw their camera and, and all their equipment, just kind of threw it into a closet and, and pulled the door shut and went on about their day. Day goes by, a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by, and they never did anything with this picture. They never hooked up their hard drive to their computer, they never pulled it up on a screen, never did any editing, never sent it off anywhere to get it published, it never appeared on a website where we would find it, and you know, thousands of people at two campuses are looking at it and are going, wow, what a beautiful picture. None of that ever happened because the photographer never looked at it again. That would be strange, right? That's not what photographers do. They go and they capture these incredible pictures. They get home. Of course, the first thing they do is they look at them. Maybe they send it off somewhere trying to get it published. They want, maybe would try to win an award with it. At the very least, they would print it out. They would display it. They would gather their friends around. Look at this shot that I just got of the Northern Lights. They would want somebody to see it. Why? Because when something beautiful is captured, when something like that happens, when we have something to tell people about, you would share it with somebody. That's just the natural thing to do. If you didn't, it would kind of be like a singer, somebody like a Whitney Houston, having this incredible voice, but never singing in public. Or think of your favorite band. If they had recorded an album, but had never released it to the public, never let anybody hear it. You know, for me, maybe you could relate to this. It'd be like Michael Jordan when he won three championships in a row, at the height of his career, and then he just went off to play baseball. And it's like, you never get to see him play again. Now, thankfully, he came back, but it was just so strange because he's dominating the league, and you just kind of love watching him play and doing what he did. He never knew, you know, how he was going to win this next game or what the next dunk was going to look like or whatever. And it's just like, he's done. He's going to play baseball. And you're like, man, you want him to share that talent. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a favorite TV show, and you love the characters, or you love the, the writing of it, and then all of a sudden, it's just canceled. And you're looking for it, and you're trying to find, you know, what happened to the show? Well, you know, the actors, they had a contract dispute, or, you know, the, the, the network just pulled the show. You're like, but I loved it. Now I'm, it's not available for me to see anymore. Or maybe it's your favorite restaurant. 
And that was where you went to eat. That was your date night. That was where your family loved to eat in town. And one day you pull up and it's just closed. Done. Can't go there anymore. And you're thinking, what? I can't enjoy that anymore. It's just not how it's supposed to be. Something incredible like that needs to be shared. A few months ago, some of us here on church staff had the opportunity, like many of you do, for work. We got to go to a conference to kind of improve our skills and, and to learn how to do a better job. And we went down to Atlanta um, to Andy Stanley's church, North Point Community Church. And they do a really good job, and they're, they're ahead of us. They've been doing church um, longer than some of us, and they've, they've, they've grown in their area, and they've got 35,000 people that attend their, their campuses. So we had gone, and our family ministry team was spending time in some breakout sessions with their children's ministry and student ministry team. And our weekend service team, same thing, spending time with their weekend services team, and operations was spending time with their operations team. But then there were some main sessions where we would come back, and this conference was two and a half days, and it was during the day and at night, and we're spending all day taking notes and learning and taking notes and learning and sitting in some, some preaching services as well. And these main sessions, Andy Stanley was the speaker, and some of you have sat in and, and heard some Andy Stanley sermons, and he's Charles Stanley's son. He's just this great speaker and you know, great pastor and does an awesome job, so we were learning from him. But we had noticed that in these main sessions, which were in an auditorium you know, similar to this, we had noticed as we were sitting on the front row over there that right before the sessions would start that Andy Stanley would kind of come from a door over there and he would make his way all the way across to the center where he would sit getting ready to come on stage and speak. And we just kind of noticed and it was kind of interesting. So then before the very last session of the you know, end of the conference, we're getting ready to leave. It was about three minutes before, and we were kind of up on the side stage, kind of getting together, you know, there's about, you know, seven or eight of us, nine of us getting our picture taken just to kind of commemorate that we were there. No big deal. But we had kind of had a thought, well, what if Andy Stanley comes out and walks past us? Well, we'll just grab him and get a quick picture, you know, just kind of ask him if he wants to be in the picture with us. Well, so we're on stage getting our picture, about three minutes to go, and Robin, who's on staff, she's Danny's assistant, and you've seen her up here giving announcements, and she, was, she had asked somebody who we didn't know that was sitting down there, she had given them her phone and said, hey, can you grab our picture? So we're on stage, she's getting us organized, this guy's getting ready to take our picture, and sure enough, here comes Andy. She kind of mouthed to us, he's coming. We're like, well, just ask him. So Andy walks by, and she says, hi, Andy. Well, clearly he knew what was coming, so he simply said, we all heard him, he said, if we're going to do this, it's got to be fast. I'm not even going to step in until you count to three. He's thinking the service is getting ready to start. I got to get to my seat. These crazy people want to distract me, getting their picture taken. Let's get this going. So Robin's going, okay, all right. Well, can you get the picture taken? And this guy's going, he's like, yes. So we're all getting in place. And Andy's like, one, two, he's counting us off, you know? So sure enough, when it hits three, he steps in with us and gets his picture taken. We have a photo of it. It turned out just great. Everything was fine. Great. We got our picture with Andy Stanley. Yay, everything went fine. Well, Robin does this normal thing that you do after you take the first picture. You don't know how the guy was doing with her iPhone. Does he know how to work it? Did he get the first picture? So she asks this perfectly normal question of, hey, Andy, can you do one more picture with us? Well, Andy's thinking, I got to get to my seat. I got to get away from these people. And Andy simply says, nope. And he starts walking. Well, this guy in the front row, who we didn't know if he was doing a good job, bless his heart, he was a great photographer. He got a picture of the nope and Andy walking away, and we captured it right here. <laughs> We're all going, Andy, where are you going? Andy's walking, and Andy was such a great guy. He got a picture with the next group, and the group after that, he still made it to his seat. It was this funny moment, but here's the thing. 
You know what we didn't do after that was all over? Kind of this funny story, Andy Stanley, we got the picture with him, whatever. You know what we didn't do? We didn't just kind of go on about our moment after that and just kind of forget about it. We didn't just kind of shrug our shoulders and not talk about it. Are you kidding me? We were cracking up about that for the next five minutes during the service as it was starting. We tweeted the picture out. We texted a few people. We were laughing. Why? Because there was this funny story. In fact, I'm sitting here telling you about it because there was this moment when things like that happen, whether it's funny or inspiring or motivational or you're a photographer that captures a picture or you have something to share... You tell people about it. It's natural. That's what you do. You don't throw your photography gear in a closet and close the door and act as if it never happened. But sadly, that's what many of us in this room, including me, do on a regular basis. You see, something has happened to us. Something incredible. Something beautiful. And we don't talk about it. See, for many of us, we realized that the relationship between us and God had been broken because of our sin. And then we heard that the God of the universe sent his son to the cross to die in our place. And we heard that all we had to do was place faith in what he did on the cross, that he paid the penalty and when we placed faith in Jesus Christ, the relationship was restored. Our eternity in heaven was secured, and we had this chance to live this incredible life here on earth. Now we had hope. Now we had purpose. Now we have peace and joy where before we just were drifting through life the best we could make it on our own. This incredible thing has happened. You know it because you know what your life was like before Christ. But we don't talk about it. We kind of hide it. We're like that photographer that just throws their gear in the closet and closes the door. We invite people. We say, come to our church. We got these services, Christmas or Easter or baptism or next week or will you come, will you come, will you come? We write their names down. But we don't really share with them what our life was like before Christ and how Christ has changed our lives since we're either too afraid, or we think they don't want to hear, or we're a little bit embarrassed, or we don't think our story is that compelling. And because we don't share, they miss out on hearing this beautiful story of how Christ has changed our life. And today, I want to push you, I want to challenge you, I want to jolt you to consider taking that next step that for whatever reason, we rarely take. And that is sitting down with somebody and sharing your story of how Christ has changed your life because it's powerful and it has to be shared. I want you to check out this story right now of Connor and Elliot and what can happen if you'll share your story of how Christ has changed your life. Check this story out. My life before Christ was scary. I was going to my friend's house and smoking and drinking and then I was going home and acting like nothing ever happened. My mom started attending Emmanuel and she would invite me for several weeks on end and uh, just bug me. And I finally just accepted her invitation and went to the service. It was a Christmas service and Danny was doing the cardboard confessions and uh, these people were coming to the stage with cardboard and saying what their life was like before Christ and then flipping it over and telling what their life was like after. 
the cardboard testimony showed me that radical life change was possible for these people. And that's what I wanted. Danny closed that service in prayer and he asked if we wanted to accept Jesus in our hearts. And so I did and I got my one year Bible. Since accepting Jesus into my life, I got the opportunity to become a small group leader in high school. I've got the opportunity to become on staff at Emmanuel as a part-time production assistant. And I've got an opportunity to share my story with my friend Elliot. Connor and I had the same chemistry class first semester of last year. I did not know Connor. I'd never talked to him. Uh, me and some kids were talking about smoking. Um, I knew how Connor used to be. I did not know that he didn't change. So um, some kids were asking him if he smoked and he said no. Uh, they were making fun of him, but it did not seem to bother him. The next time we had class, I'd ask Connor why he didn't smoke because um, I had heard about how he used to be. Uh, he responded with, he had started attending Emmanuel and realized he needed to live differently. He shared how he had developed a relationship with God and how his life hasn't been the same. Uh, it was a huge eye-opener for me because I had never thought of having a relationship with God. Connor invited me to cell group. I went the first time wasn't a huge fan of it. Everybody was super nice, but I just didn't think it was going to work out for me. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed that Elliot didn't come back, uh, but I didn't give up on him. I kept trying and I kept inviting him. So I started, I started coming more and more and uh, I started feeling closer to God and started building a relationship with him. One evening at cell group, Connor asked if, uh, if I wanted to accept God into my heart to say this prayer. Um, I said that said the prayer to accept God into my heart and my life has been completely changed ever since then. I now attend church every Sunday and my life is completely different but I still know that I have a lot that I need to work on. Because Connor was brave enough to share his story with me I was ultimately able to make the best decision in my life. Um, I am now a follower of Christ and I'll be getting baptized next weekend. There's a central figure in the Bible, um, his name is Paul, and Paul was a preacher and he could take you through the Old Testament, he could tell you about the prophets, he could tell you all about those teachings, and he did as a preacher. He could take you through Jesus' life and how he went to the cross and his resurrection, and he would do that when he would preach, but Paul never forgot the power of what you just saw. Paul never forgot the power of sharing your story. And Paul had a story. And everywhere he went, Paul would share who he was before Christ and how he met Christ and what his life had been since Christ has changed his life. And in Acts 26, we see Paul near the end of his public ministry because Paul is a prisoner and he's been brought before a king, King Agrippa. And he's there to give a defense, and Paul could have said anything that he wanted in defense of his life. He's there to plead and to argue for himself. And instead, what he chooses to do is to share his story. Who he was before Christ, what he was all about, how he met Jesus Christ, and what his life had been since. I put some verses in your notes. They're going to be on the screen. I want you to see the power of sharing his story 
because it's the same power that you have when you share yours. Acts 26, verse 1. So Agrippa, the king, said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. And then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They've known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. Verse 9. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so. In Jerusalem, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Hey, king, that's who I was. I chased Christians down. I persecuted, I tortured, I locked them up. When it was time to decide if they should die, I said, yes, they should. That's who I was. Verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Hey, King, here's my defense. I was chasing down Christians and killing them. And then Jesus himself called me to follow him, and I gave my life to Christ. And since that day, I have been persuading people to do what I did to become a Christian. So, King, I'm asking you today, 
have I persuaded you? Paul knew. He knew that people will come up with all sorts of arguments to prevent themselves from coming, becoming a Christian. They'll throw up obstacles. They'll throw up reasons. They'll say things like, yeah, if God were a good God, he wouldn't have allowed that to happen. Think about the people you know. You've written their names down. You're praying for them. You're inviting them to become a Christian. If God were a good God, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have put me in that situation. Think about what they say. Well, I don't believe that part of the Bible. Well, I went to church once, and that pastor or that person. I don't like that about Christianity, or I knew a Christian one time. People have all sorts of arguments, but Paul knew that there's one thing that people can't argue with. They can't argue with a changed life. And so Paul just simply shared his story. Here's who I was. Here's how I met Christ. Here's how he changed my life. And here's what I've been about since. In fact, your story of how God has changed your life is the greatest argument you can provide for why somebody should become a Christian. It's better than a carefully crafted statement. It's better than getting on social media and arguing some point back and forth. It's not going to work because they'll just argue back and forth. The greatest argument is you saying, here's who I was, here's how I met Christ, and here's what my life has been since. Your story of how God has changed your life is the greatest argument for why somebody should consider Christianity. But most of us, me included, we're like that photographer that comes home and we throw our photography gear in the closet and we just close the door and we go on about our life. Something beautiful has happened and we keep it to ourselves. We have to become bold enough to share our story. We are depriving people of something incredible when we keep it to ourselves. And Paul realized the power of sharing how God had changed his life. And I'm trying to push you, to jolt you, to inspire you to take that step. Your story might be, you know what? You got saved at an early age and you've never strayed, so your story is one of God protecting you and staying with you all the way through till now, and somebody can look at that and say, wow, God is faithful, and he stays with you, and I had no idea that he could keep you consistent all the way through your life. That's incredible how God has worked in your life. Maybe that's your story, and you simply have to share it. Maybe your story is you didn't know God or meet God until you were in your 40s. And then in your 40s, God radically changed your life. So your story is the fact that there, you're never too late. That, that God, God will accept you at any point in your life and somebody can go, well, wow, maybe there's hope for me because I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, and I haven't known God either. You mean God could still accept me at that point in my life? Absolutely. Maybe your story is that you knew God at an early age, but in middle school or high school or college, you strayed. And somewhere along the way, God brought you back to himself. And your story is a story of redemption or of second chances and of grace. And you have to get that story out there because somebody is going, man, maybe there's hope for me. Maybe you don't share your story because you say, you know what? 
I'm a little embarrassed about where my story has taken me and what the path has looked like. And so you just kind of keep it to yourself. I can relate to that because that would be my tendency. And Danny had to sit me down years ago and say, listen, every time you share your story, you were going to provide hope for people who are sitting there and saying, I don't know if there's hope for me. And so I had to get over that because you know what? He was right. He was right. Every time I've shared it, somebody's come up to me later. So there have to be other people that, that maybe just didn't come up to me, but that person represented them and they've said, wow, you've given me hope. We have to get over ourselves. I've had to get over myself and be able to admit failure. My story, my story is simple. I've shared it before, but I graduated from college. I went into ministry. I got married, had a little bit of success, and I got cocky. So I got ambitious and I thought, well, I'll just do more and I'll, I'll try for more. And I ignored things at home and I shouldn't have. I had small kids and I wasn't the dad I shouldn't have been. I wasn't the husband I shouldn't have been. I wanted to be gone more than I wanted to be at home. And I totally blew it. Went through a church split. I was miserable. I found more success trying to just be gone and, and, and handle things in ministry. I made bad decisions. I was immature. I was selfish. And one day I just walked away from it all. Terrible decisions. Wound up in Indiana. Got divorced. Went to work for a friend. My relationships were gone. My reputation was gone. You don't get divorced in ministry. No one was speaking to me. But at least I had this job. I was going to go work for a friend. Maybe I'll make some money. A year later, I had completely hit rock bottom because now the company I went to work for was done. It was a dot-com company, and we were over. So now I was owed thousands of dollars in commission. I was living on the north side of Indy in an apartment with an eviction notice on it. I wound up in this church over there on a Monday night at a music rehearsal, just wandered in, talking to the pastor at that time, and he said, listen, why don't you let us help you put your life back together? And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't think there was any putting my life back together. I just thought, I'll just be some sort of second-class citizen the rest of my life. I'm divorced. I was in ministry. I'm a disaster. This is it. I didn't even know what he was talking about. But one thing led to another, and he meant it. And we started meeting, and people started coming around me. And I called the pastor that I used to work for, and we met and got together, and he was so gracious and forgiving, and I said sorry to him, and I started going back to some other people and saying sorry to them, and over time, things started getting better in my life. I met Angela, we fell in love, got married a few years later, came on staff here. Things started coming. I had no idea there was a hope and a future and grace and love and forgiveness for somebody like me. Many people in this church put their arms around me and says, listen, we've messed up too. We're so glad God's putting your life back together. You know, people would contact me from the past and I was always leery and I'm thinking, oh, how's this going to go? They're probably not happy that things are going well for me. And I would, you know, send them an email and say, hey, thanks for contacting me. Listen, I'm so sorry that things ended badly and I was a poor example and most of them responded so graciously and said, man, we're so glad things are going well for you. One person in particular, this couple, I remember she said to me, she said, we appreciate your apology, but we had already heard how much God had changed your life. We're so thankful that you've had a second chance. And it hit me. 
that better than any carefully crafted apology or statement, even though that was important to do, was the story of a changed life. In your situation, in the people that you're talking to, in the people that you're trying to reach, in the people that you're rubbing shoulders with, what if you just sat down and shared your story? I understand if you're hesitant because I went through that phase where I'm hesitant to share. But what if you just got past that, whatever the reason is, and just said, listen, can we sit down and talk? I know I've invited you a bunch of times, but maybe I've never explained why. God's done something in my life. Here's who I was. And then I found Christ. Or then I found my way back to Christ. And here's how my life has been since. I just wanted to share with you what has happened. At the very least, they can't argue with the fact that something powerful has happened in your life. If you'll just get out there and share it. You might be sitting there today and saying, yeah, I don't know though. I don't know if my story is that compelling. I mean, I haven't, or this hasn't, or I don't know. I put five reasons in your notes why your story is compelling. So if you'll just turn there and, and maybe take some notes on this really quick. Number one, your story is compelling because somebody died for you. Somebody died for you. The king of heaven left, lived 33 years on this earth, and then walked to a cross, stretched out his arms, and died. He didn't have to. It was voluntary. And he died in your place and in my place. He endured that for you. That makes your story compelling. Then number two, three days later, he walked out of a grave, rose from the dead. Here's what he proved by that. He proved that no matter what you're going through for the rest of your life, he can overcome it because he overcame death. There's nothing that is greater than him because he overcame the grave. That makes your story compelling. He died, he rose again, and then number three, here's what came because of that. He purchased for you a gift of forgiveness. If we were to pass a microphone and go seat by seat to the next row, seat by seat, up the aisle, and talk about the sins that you and I have committed, every one of us would say, nope, not me, next person, and hand the mic. Why? Because we don't want to talk about the sins we've committed. But those are the sins for which Christ died and purchased you the gift of forgiveness. We don't have to talk about them because you've been forgiven. And it's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to have grown up in a particular neighborhood. You don't have to have grown up in a particular family. You don't have to do anything other than just receive it. It's a gift of forgiveness. And number four, this gift of forgiveness goes backwards, all the sins that you've committed, and it goes forwards. Because once you trust Christ, you're still going to commit some sins. You're not perfect. And those sins are covered through this gift that you've been given. And here's what's incredible, number five. That person that you're sitting across sharing your story 
This gift is available to them. It's available to anyone. Even if they say, well, I don't really know the Bible, it's available to them. Well, I don't go to church, it's available to them. Well, I'm not that good of a person, it's available to them. I'm not even sure I believe what you're talking about yet. It's available to them. This gift of forgiveness is available to anyone. So if you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I don't know if my story's that compelling. I don't have this story of of fighting addiction, or I don't have this story of of huge amounts of sin in my life, or I don't have this story that that everyone would want to gather around and listen to. Your story is compelling because someone died for you. Then they rose again. They purchased you a gift of forgiveness that goes backwards, it goes forwards, and this gift is available to anyone. Your story is compelling, not necessarily because of what you did, but because of what someone did for you. You have a compelling story to share. Maybe you just haven't thought about it that way before. And that's why your action steps and your notes, number one, I just ask you to simply reflect on it this week. Just reflect on the beauty of your story. Maybe you've never thought about it that way before. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe it's just something that, that as the busyness of life has gone on, you've kind of taken it for granted. I do that though, sometimes it's okay. But this week, will you spend time reflecting on the beauty of your story? I gave you some suggestions of how to do it. Maybe just grab a journal and read through the Gospel of John. Look at what Jesus did as he, as he spent time on this earth, as he went to the cross. And just write down some thoughts as you're journaling. Brennan Manning's Ragamuffin Gospel is a great supplemental reading to just help you think through your story and what Jesus did. And maybe just turn on some worship music in the background, a Passion album or a Hillsong album or Chris Tomlin or whatever you like. You can, you can grab the songs Um, off the app that we do here. Just have them playing as you're listening and you're thinking and you're reflecting about your story. Maybe that's the first step to think through before you get ready to share it. What what is my story? What did Jesus go through? What, What was necessary for my forgiveness to be purchased? Your second action step is to just fill out the story starters. Kind of gave you some blanks in there. You might want to rewrite them somewhere else. That's fine. But just to get you started, here's what the story starters are. What was your life before Christ? Just in a sentence, what would you say? Well, my life before Christ is I was hopeless. I was angry. Selfish. No purpose. Whatever. How would you describe your life before Christ? The second part of that is how'd you meet Christ? Somebody invited me to church. I read a passage of scripture. I heard a sermon. How did you meet Christ? Then the third part of that is, how has your life changed since then? Happy, peace, I have purpose. How has your life changed since then? And as you're filling out these story starters, what you're starting to develop is the framework for maybe that paragraph or a few sentences of what starts to become your story. Here's who I was. Here's how I met Christ. And here's what my life has been since Christ. Then your third action step, obviously, is to share your story. My suggestion would be this. Maybe you gather as a family. 
And this week you say, okay, I've reflected on my story, I've filled out the story starters, and now as a family, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday or at the end of the week, let's get together around the dinner table or in the living room or outside at the restaurant or somewhere, and let's just go around and let's share our stories to each other. This is incredible to do as a small group, as a family. Say, listen, what's your story? Let's talk it through. This is a safe place in here. We might tease each other a little bit just to, just to get it right. But before we go out there and talk to somebody, let's share it right here. Let's get, let's get some confidence as we talk about what God has done. And then make the appointment. Call somebody up. Say, listen, I've been inviting you. I've been asking you. I've never really explained why. Let's grab coffee. Let's grab a meal. Come on over. And you sit down with somebody and you share your story. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be drawn out. This is something you can do. This is something I've tried to convince you that we need to do. Why? Because it's something beautiful that has happened. Paul realized it's a powerful argument. In fact, people can't argue with the power of a changed life. You have to do this. I want you to see an example of what it would look like if you simply just sat down with somebody and said, hey, this is my story. Check this out, and then I'll be back in a minute with one more thing. My name is Chad Lear, and I'm the Connections Director and Host Team Coordinator here at Emmanuel Church. You might also recognize me from being a part of the worship team. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness and remained a Jehovah's Witness for most of my life. Nearly nine years ago, after my mom passed away, I fell off the deep end. I started a band, began touring, and started living the rock and roll lifestyle of drugs, alcohol, and just about anything else you can think of. In the spring of 2013, a dear friend and fellow musician, Dan Boris, asked me if I would be interested in playing worship at his church, Emmanuel. I declined his offers many times, but decided that maybe I should come and check it out and see if this was something that I could do and get behind. After experiencing the worship set here at Emmanuel, I was moved and knew that this was something that I could not only do, but I would also enjoy being a part of. So I immediately started to get involved in the middle school and high school ministries. After a couple of months of playing in the middle school and high school ministries, I still had never come over to hear one of Danny's sermons. So one day during the Life App series, back in September of 2013, one of my fellow middle school musicians invited me to walk over to main service and hear him talk. I decided to go with him and really felt God's presence during that service. I accepted Christ into my life on that morning. My decision wasn't about joining another religion, but rather accepting the fact that I was adopted as one of God's children. This really hit home for me because I too am adopted. Soon after making that decision, I joined a small group and I got baptized in December of 2013. My life since following Christ has given me purpose. It's difficult to think that God could love someone as messy as me. But I live a life now full of joy. And even though I'm still not perfect, and I'm still messy, and I still don't always get it right, I have a God who gives me unlimited grace, unlimited love, and every step of the way, He is with me. I have and will continue to fill my life with Christ's truth, His love, and I will keep on sharing that message with others. My name is Andrea Foley, and I am the preschool volunteer developer for the Greenwood campus. 
I was raised in a Christian home where God was part of our daily lives. I was saved when I was five years old, and I still remember the night that I was laying in my bed and I felt this sense of urgency that I needed to ask Jesus into my heart right then. I went and found my parents and told them what I was wanting to do, and they asked me some questions just to make sure I truly understood, and it was then that I, I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. Immediately, I felt a sense of relief and just overwhelming joy. From then on, I was taught that when I sinned, not only did I disappoint my parents, but most importantly, that I disappointed God and that I needed to make things right with Him. Now, was my life perfect and easy because I was saved at such a young age? No. I still deal with temptations every day and I still have to ask for forgiveness consistently. I used to feel that my story wasn't very exciting. However, what is exciting is that I know that my life without Christ would have been much more sad and dissatisfying. Even through the tough times in my life, it's been a blessing to know that he's right there with me. Another part of my story that is exciting is that I have a Savior who is willing to go to the cross for me so that I could have an abundant life here on earth and in heaven for eternity. Baby 
If you're not standing, go ahead and stand with us. Would you bow your heads? In the quietness of this moment, some of you might be thinking, you know what, Steve, you're talking about sharing your story, but I don't have a story in the way that you're talking about. I've already shared the gospel today, talked about the relationship with God being broken because of our sin and how God sent Jesus to the cross to pay for our sin. All that's left is for you that are in the crowd today that know that that's the step you need to take to believe in what Jesus did for you. All that's left is for you to call on the name of the Lord and receive Jesus into your life. This is that moment in the service. If you sense that that's the step that you're ready to take, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're standing here today and you've already prayed to receive Christ, will you pray right now for those who are about to? And if you're ready to receive Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can just pray in the quietness of this moment right there in your seat. As I pray, you can repeat after me. It's not the exact words. It's, it's the idea of placing faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. As we pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that that sin has made a relationship with you impossible. But God, today I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place and I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins. Come into my life and save me. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can look this way. If you just prayed to receive Christ, we have prepared for you in this service. We've prayed for you. We've thought of you. Somebody invited you to come. It, you're very important to us. In fact, we have tables at the back of the auditorium where we've set up and put some Bibles for you that we want to give you as a gift. This is a one-year Bible. It's broken down into daily readings. We would love for you to start reading the Bible, to start spending time with God. There's a portion from the Old Testament and the New Testament and a psalm and a proverb. We'd just love to give this to you as a free gift. So if you would stop by in a moment as we close and just say, hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. There's somebody back there. They would love to give you a Bible. If you prayed to receive Christ in the past few weeks and haven't yet stopped to get a Bible, please do that today. If you brought somebody that received Christ, take them back there. In fact, right now, can we just give a hand to those that prayed to receive Christ? For everybody here today, this is, this is a big step we've tried to challenge you with. But this is something you can do. This is something you have to do. Maybe this is what the people that you've been inviting and writing their names down, maybe this is what they've been waiting for. And this is the bold step you need to take. Don't ignore this. Don't keep this beautiful story inside of you. Don't keep it to yourself. Your story is the best argument for Christianity. Be bold. Be brave. Do what Paul did. Take the opportunity to share what has happened. Do the work. Talk to some family. Talk to your small group. Pray for each other. And then get out there and share your story. Let's pray. God, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for rewriting our story. Now, God, give us the boldness and the strength to do this. 
Don't let it just stop at a church service. Don't let it just stop at taking a silver pen and writing a name down. God, help us to do hard things. Help us to share this. Even if we're a little timid, even if we're a little nervous, help us to do this. Thank you for loving us, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, next week is baptism weekend. You don't want to miss it. Bring a friend.